Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Kareem rises to the top in the Madrid Derby. Inter Milan return to the Serie A summit and penalties play a major role for four Premier League powerhouses as well as the newly crowned MLS Cup champs. I'm LME and I'm here with my beautiful American partners and recapping Jimmy Conrad, Heath Pierce to relive another weekend of high octane drama. Kego Lasso weekend recap begins right now. Everybody, welcome to Kegolasso. Thank you so much for being part of the family. If you're listening later on on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, you know what to do. Please share, spread the word, Apple Podcasts, leave a rating and review. We're on Twitter, Kegolasso Pod, and YouTube.com, as you know, forward slash Kegolasso. Very close to 6,000 subscribers, closer and closer. I know I've been saying that for like a month, but we really are getting that closer. Let's just get it over the line, please. And right now, if you are engaging with us, we want your questions. Your comments, anything you want to throw at Jimmy and Heath. We can recap always, as always, so much action to discuss. Heath Pierce, how are you, buddy? Heath Pierce disappeared. I'm going to oh take over God. for him, Melanie. Yeah, so, you know what? Jimmy, he just, he, he, he said just that, where did he go? He said the intro was too long. He couldn't wait around anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take over for Heath Pierce. I know he's doing great. He's always looking handsome. But uh, I'm going to fill his stead for right now until he comes yes, back. Jimmy, how are you, buddy? I'm doing great, LME. It's another unbelievable weekend of games. You know, obviously had my eyes on MLS Cup. It's a long, arduous season, and NYCFC end up on top. Very proud of them. I was there at the first playoff game at Yankee Stadium when they took on Atlanta United and really, I thought, demonstrated why they had enough possibility to go on to win, right? You have to be hot at the right time to win MLS Cup, and uh, they made enough plays and had enough guys that stood up and took responsibility to get the results. Pretty dramatic finish, but they got there in the end, and I uh, just want to give a congratulations to NYCFC. Absolutely. That's why I'm wearing the jersey. As you said, Jimmy Conrad, amazing. They were actually my first ever professional written piece that I sold to Newsweek back in 2015, and, you know, obviously me being a New Yorker, I've come close to understanding what they're all about. Alex Callens, uh, a Peruvian champion mm -hmm, as well. Mm -hmm. Amazing year for him as well. So happy for all our friends, Ian Pulljoy, the Cooligans, just everybody really. So, so great to see uh, New York City finally for a long time. Last time Yankees won the World Series was 2009. Knicks, forget about it. You know, Mets, forget about it. So, you know, it's good to have a New York title. So well done. NYCFC. By the way, hello to John and Ilias, uh, everybody, you know, all our loyal followers, Jimmy Conrad, every single week, they're always here on Sunday and they want to ask you questions. Uh, it's so great to see our family grow. Oh, there he is. You just <laughs> listen. Here's the problem. Jimmy was saying you were getting too bored with my intro, even though I gave you so much love. How are no, you? I'm doing good. I don't know literally what happened. My my uh my cable for my headphone was wrapped over my the power cable, so I pulled the power cable out. I had enough battery, and then it just went crazy and said like my camera was no longer connected. That I had no internet, and I was like, "Oh, this is crazy." But yeah, Jimmy's just, also telling the just truth. Say your kids I just didn't want, the I didn't plug, want to hear. I, AKA, I don't want to hear that intro, Louise. <laughs> Jeez, Louise, what is this? Your podcast or something? <laughs> Uh, in a second, I will tell you everything that I did on the weekend that we won't talk about soccer at all. Anyway, welcome, everybody. Heath Pierce, Jimmy Conrad in the house. We're going to talk about, as we were talking about Heath Pierce a little bit a second ago, about uh, MLS Cup and NYCFC. But we got so much to chat about uh, in Europe, of course. And we begin with the game that literally just finished a few minutes ago, the Madrid Derby. It was Real Madrid against Atleti. Uh, basically, th this was a, a conversation that we all had. Real Madrid, if they won, you know, it was a statement to say, well, La Liga is getting closer uh, to us, I guess. And if Atleti won, it was kind of like their mojo coming back, especially after, you know, securing a knockout stage. And Real Madrid wins it pretty comfortable. Uh, Jimmy Conrad, Real Madrid, you know, taking over 2 nothing. Luka Jovic replaced Benzema later on after he scored. You know, he's playing very well. He he set up the beginning to find Vinicius Jr. with two assists, by the way, as Asensio seals it for them 
What do you make of this, by the way? I mean, the title's done, right? Or what do you think? Uh, Don is strong because we have seen some wacky things happen in La Liga over the past uh, few seasons. And I feel like at times, if you have that big of a lead, it can come back to bite you because um, some pl- complacency could come in. Now, I think that Madrid have benefited from most of their players being healthy for a good period of time. And I'm looking most primarily at the central midfielders, uh, Tony Cruz and Casemiro and Luka Modric. When those three play, it just makes such a big difference. David Alaba has been a breath of fresh air. Militao. It's interesting. The younger players that they signed three or four years ago, Militao, Vinicius, Rodrigo, are really starting to blossom into something special. And I think Vinicius, who had two assists today, as you mentioned, is playing so well. I would argue he's probably one of the top five plays currently playing at the moment, right? Let's just say at the start of the season. Vinicius, I think, has to be in that conversation. I'd throw Salah in there, Lewandowski. If I couldn't pick players from the same team because Benzema would be all right. Bernardo Silva's been very good. Mbappe's been very good. And there's all obviously a couple others that I'm sure. Like, wait, don't, you don't forget about this? Yeah, okay, I didn't forget about them, but those are my five at the moment. I thought it was a really professional performance from Madrid. Uh, took their chances when they got him. Never really looked troubled. Atleti just, I don't know. I don't know what that team, you know, they, they start with Cunha and Griezmann. And then at halftime, Simeone goes, all right, I'm going to put in, uh, you know, Luis Suarez and Joao Felix now. And, and you're like, well, wait, what? what? Like, who's your best 11, you know? And I think what bums me out the most uh, as an Atleti supporter is the fact that how many goals they've given up. They've already given up 18 goals so far this season. They've won leagues before. I've gone through full seasons where they don't even give up 18 goals. So, that's wild to me that that there's a team that Diego Simeone manages that is that leaky defensively. But uh, I just want to give a shout out to Madrid. As you mentioned, is the league over? I mean, they have an eight point lead over Sevilla, who's in second. They've got a 13 point lead on Atletico and a 15 point lead. Now, actually, 18 point lead over Barcelona with this win. It's feeling they'll have they have a game in hand, Barcelona. It's feeling like it's going to be Real Madrid's team this or league this season for sure. Yeah, the thing that I would add to that and, and to go back on one of Jimmy's points was the development of players over a few seasons. Obviously, that came with a lot of criticism, right, over those mm-hmm, seasons mm-hmm. because the expectation is that you compete for a Champions League title every year. You compete for the league title every year. And if you fall short of one, if not two of those at a club like Real Madrid, it's a failure. But you're seeing what the development of those players are finally finding a comfortable situation with a manager that they can believe in, also finding their own self-confidence. And you're seeing that come to life. I think uh, an even bigger indicator is, again, not just the players that that Jimmy mentioned, but I'm looking at, just like you mentioned before, Luka Jovic becoming a key mm-hmm. player for this team when they don't have him. Also going back to the fact that Kareem Benzema came off in, in like the 15th or 18th or 20th minute a week ago for an injury, only to come back and play this one and lead the team to get that first goal. And it just shows the importance and the quality of a player that that he is right now and the form that he's in, looking at 35 goals in 46 games, I think, coming into this match. So overall, it's just hard to see anybody catching them. I, I When I look at the table... I think about Real Batiste, if you watch that game or even watch the highlights, you'll see that Real Batiste actually were dominated in the first half, gave up a ton of chances. They could have been behind, but once they got those, they were just clinical in their finishing. And I know there is a value in being clinical in your finishing, but if you looked at the chances that they gave up in that match against against another very good side, it, it becomes problematic to me to think that they can hold on to something like this or that a better team or a team on another day wouldn't punish them and then give up points throughout the season. I know we're going to get to that. Uh, as well. But when I'm looking at Real Madrid, I, I just have trouble seeing anybody being able to to weather the storm of a season the way that they can, knowing that not only that, but they almost have to be perfect, knowing that Real Madrid might hit a bump along the way, but everyone else won't be allowed to anymore. And I just don't see where a team is in the league this year if it's not Atletico Madrid who can grind out those, those results. Well, those are the standings right there, everybody. And I have a call to action to everybody watching. Please make sure that you like, comment, and subscribe. But a question for you. Is this over for La Liga? Do you think Real Madrid has the title wrapped up or can anybody come in close? Of course, uh, Sevilla is mentioned 34 points. Uh, obviously, they have a game in hand. But Real Betis, who well, you know, taking care of business against Real Sociedad, they are on 33 points and Atleti in fourth. And Barcelona, by the way, who couldn't get a win against Osasuna, they're all the way in eighth. So is this over for Real Madrid? we got some questions here. Hey, Jimmy, remember when you laughed at me? <laughs> I said that Barcelona was a mid-table team. When did you laugh at him, Jimmy? I thought you agreed. He was laughing with him. He was laughing with him. He was laughing with him. I guess I'm just trying to be hopeful. So I feel like, you know, Barcelona being somewhat competitive makes the world a little bit of a better place, uh, especially for a lot of my friends. But that's fair. I mean, they are a mid-table team. They look like a mid-table team. When they got their two leads, we'll just transition into that game against Osasuna. Mm. Barcelona, they're the type of team where, like, it's not over yet. 
they're going to give up a chance. Now it's just a matter of whether the other team can score. I and mean, this is against an Osa student team that looked up for it. They looked like they knew they had a chance to get points off of this particular Barcelona team. And Barcelona scored two very good goals. Some of their younger players stepping up. We talked about Vinicius and Militao starting to step up. I think in a few years, we're going to be talking about how special these players are to continue Heath's points about uh, how to develop players, give them opportunities yeah, to, the to, to make yeah. mistakes, right? They have to make mistakes. And you have to give you have to give them that trust to to make mistakes. And I think now Real Madrid is starting to see the benefits of of what that looks like. And I think Barcelona will get there too. But to Wall Street's point, yes. Otherwise, Barcelona looked pretty mid table. They need to get players healthy too. When Usman Dembele is on the field and he started, I'm like, what? This guy starts games now and does it regularly. They they just look a lot more dangerous. They look a little bit more unpredictable. They need more of that to happen. But defensively, they're so bang average. It's kind of sad to see that they're so vulnerable on that side uh, of the field. And I think it's because they just run out a lot of center backs, not a lot of specific to the outside back position. They need to get a little bit younger there, or at least give Sergio Dest, who I don't seem to, they don't seem to be the biggest fans of. I don't know. There's a lot to unpack there. I think with Barcelona, but right now, and PK said it after the game, we just have to work on getting top four. They're not even talking about winning the La Liga title anymore. And they shouldn't be, but it's just, it's just crazy how fast they've fallen because they're only two seasons removed from winning the league themselves. Yeah, the only thing I would add to that uh, is, you know, Jimmy's talking about just sort of the defensive shambles or, uh, you know, the nature of this team. And I look at it on the completely opposite side and say, like, on the offense, it looks like a preseason team where there's so much talent. Mm -hmm. And at moments Mm -hmm. you see flashes, but a guy's checking away when he should check back. A player's overlapping when it's crowding space. It just seems like the ideas don't match each other. And it feels like there's 11 players right now trying to figure out, like, who are we as a team? What's the identity? How do we attack? And when you think about Barcelona in general, you think about Man City in general. When you think about passing you to death, the rhythm, the pattern play, where they just always seem to be a step ahead knowing, you know, two, three, four passes, a team tries to sort of pin you in and they know exactly where the answer is. Right now, when they get into that final third, it's just that lack of sharpness, that lack of confidence, that just lack of ideas, and also that killer instinct of knowing, you know, after two, three, four passes, when the play presents itself, let's take a chance here. And, And then... You add that to what Jimmy said on the defensive end, and and you start to have you start to constantly think that oh today is going to be the day that we put all of this together, but it's not just one or two players either. It's constantly where you think you've now you've got a good performance from a couple of players. You got Dembele there again, as Jimmy mentioned, and then it's a couple other players that are young, and that's part of being a young team. I think it's actually great that PK is talking about top four because it resets the priorities a little bit. It changes the dynamic again of what the expectations are, as opposed to every three points thinking that you're losing three points towards the title. You can now reset those goals and be like, okay, we're way out of the title race, but top four, that's actually feels a little bit realistic. We can string together some good results. Well, they need it. They need it. Financially speaking, they need it. Symbolically, they need it. They need it. So as much as it can be an easier objective, it's still difficult enough and uh, I guess pressurizing enough because they need it economically speaking. By the way, a nice little break for Barcelona between matches on Tuesday. Uh, They're going to be facing Boca Juniors in the Maradona Cup as well. Barcelona Live will be streaming that game. So a nice little break, uh, you know, to, uh, to everybody celebrate, obviously, the legacy of Diego Maradona. All right, let's uh, move on here and let's talk about Serie which you can watch exclusively on Paramount Plus, everybody. Uh, who's your team in Serie by the way? Everybody would love to know. Make sure that you throw in a comment and engage with us and let us know. But let's talk about Serie And it was the other side of Milan, Jimmy Conrad, Inter Milan, who are, you know, taking advantage, I think, of, a, of an AC Milan who's doing a little bit of a slow turn, obviously not making it into the knockout stages of the Champions League. No, you, no Europe for them, but Inter back on top, leapfrogging AC Milan with a 4 nothing win against Cagliari. Uh, Des Norris will show the table in a second, but, you know, this basically means now that Inter are top of Serie A with Milan in second, 39 points, one under 40 points, for Inter. And what do you make of Inter right now? Lautaro Martinez as well, going in double figures. Yeah, outside of them losing to Real Madrid on the last match day in the group stages of the Champions League, when they'd already qualified, so it was mm-hmm. really about who's going to get the top spot, which is important, but for them to get back into the knockout rounds for the first time in 10 years was a big deal. That was the hurdle they had to overcome, and, and they did that. They had five clean sheets in a row domestically, and they added another one today against Cagliari and and... They did it in a way that was, again, very professional, very much like Madrid. And, and Lataro has actually scored more goals against Cagliari than, than anybody else in, in Serie A. So he definitely likes making that happen. They just look good. They're also healthy, right? We talk about Madrid. They, they found an 11 that works for them. And now they're building off of that 
consistency and that camaraderie uh, that, that comes with having the same 11 or maybe you tinker here and there. But it makes a difference when you can roll out the same types of guys, game in and game out. And then you add a little bit of depth when you need it. But uh, I think Inter's in a good spot. They don't have any significant injuries. And they're playing extremely well right now. And let's be honest, uh, Cagliari's only got one win this whole season. And they're in the relegation zone. So if you can't beat a team that's in the relegation zone at home, then I don't know if you should be title contenders. Yeah, but, these but are they, wins that you need to take. They yeah. have to. They have to. And they needed to take it. And they did. Whereas, to, in contrast with AC Milan, who are away to Udinese, who just fired their manager, so they have that new manager bounce. They couldn't necessarily get it going in the same type of way, and they needed Zlatan to save them yet again. Very similar to how Man United needs Cristiano Ronaldo to save them at times, where they need kind of that star guy to make it happen. Did they deserve more of the points? I don't know. Udinese, I thought, was pretty sharp, but uh, th those are going to be two big drop points for sure for Milan. But this is this is the dangerous thing. We've talked about this so much about Ronaldo and Zlatan being a central figure to a team that now is dependent on them like mm -hmm. a drug. They are addicted to the needs of, of the output of these players, and it makes it very hard to move on or change anything because that means you know that to get your goals, you have to rely on a few of these players. But it ultimately means the other 10 players on the field have to play differently in order to get those goals from those players. And granted, we're talking about penalties here, and that's still a value. But when those players are on the field, uh, your team has to play different for those 90 minutes than you would perhaps otherwise if you weren't reliant on those star players. And that's the give and take of these situations. The, it, but it's we've been talking about this for years for Zlatan, for Ronaldo. Every year that goes by, you're like, could this be the year where the output drops? Or could this be the year where <laughs> sort of the balance ends? And obviously, they're, they're going to score forever. And as long as they're playing, they're going to score crazy goals. But I agree with you, Jimmy. It's, it's dangerous. When I look at AC Milan right now and think about their odds or their chances of winning the title – I feel quite differently than I did. I feel very similar to the way that I did this time last year, where it just seems like, okay, now they're out of Europe. They should be able to go and get points. They should be able to focus on these, these types of things. But I, I still worry about the depth of this team. I still worry about the fact that they should be weaning off of, uh, of, of Zlatan in terms of his output, but he's still going to seemingly the answer of when you need him on, on the field, which I think is not a confident thing. When you look at Inter Milan, yes, they're playing against a team in the, in the relegation zone, but it's a clinical performance. They never let them into the match at, mm -hmm, at any mm -hmm. single point. You could feel the dominance. You could feel that it was a team fighting for a title versus a team that's at the bottom. And at times, uh, AC Milan allow other teams to feel a little more level to them in terms of what they're bringing to the table. So I think there's a, yeah. there's a big difference there. And then when I look at Juventus and I think about uh, Venezia, you, you go, wow, fantastic uh, performance and fight from Venezia playing at home. But if you're Juventus, you're, you're thinking, wow, okay, you lose Dybala early on in the match. But I'm thinking about the Gerard Piquet uh, quote uh, for Juventus too of like, oh, fighting for a top four. You, there shouldn't even be a discussion and perhaps there isn't. And maybe I'm just reading the wrong things that their only fight is a top four and they're not getting it done either. So when you think about the weekends like this, that win you titles, when you think about the games that start to, you look back on, you go, that's a turning moment or a transition mm -hmm. moment or, or when we did it and the others did it. And this is a weekend where everyone's dropping points except for Napoli. Yeah, yeah. what I wanted to say, and, and uh, there was a good comment there from Larry who said that this happened with Zlatan at LA as well. We could argue this happens to Zlatan in a lot of places that he goes to, <laughs> yeah. including, including, the Swedish national team, right? All of a sudden he comes back into the fold and Sweden doesn't play as well because I feel like their balance is off and everybody's deferring to the big star. Now, one thing I wanted to add to Milan, and I'll talk about Juve here a little bit as well, but with Milan, they made three changes at halftime. And I was really surprised that Tonali and Kessier didn't start. And he went with Benacer and, and Bakayoko, and those guys didn't look sharp. Now, I understand Stefano Pioli and the manager trying to rotate a little bit, thinking, all right, maybe we can get some out of these guys, get some rest for some other players, but they were in a certain mode. They were playing with a certain group of players that were getting results. And then when you make two significant changes in the middle of the field and it doesn't look good, the fact that you immediately pull the trigger and say, all right, we're just going to change it and go back to what we were doing. I think that gives some, some, I don't know, some negative messaging to the players that are like, ah, maybe I don't trust you to show up in these games. So I think that will hurt you down the line. But similar to what I said about Atleti, and I'm trying to get a, a theme going throughout my, my comments today on this podcast, is what is their best 11? And, and and, and can they continue to find that consistency? We're seeing it with Inter. We're seeing it with Real Madrid. That when they kind of stay with the same lineup, they're starting to get more results and starting to build something and getting momentum. And I think that uh, that AC Milan missed the mark in this particular game. With Juve, even though Dybala went out, they were all over Venezia in that first half. It should have been 3-0 Juve. And when they didn't finish their chances, I knew that Venezia was going to get back into that game. Aramu has been unbelievable. I'm surprised he's with Venezia. He's a tremendous player. He ended up scoring. 
Yeah, but Jimmy, even Venezia in the second half, they were still two center backs on yellow cards, and they didn't even try to punish them in that sense or draw any. Yeah, of right, right, right. Of draw, draw a second yellow, attack I, them, knowing that I they agree. Didn't poke at anything, and they didn't. They didn't convert on that. I mean, that's it's very rare that you have two center backs on 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 yellow cards, and and when you have that situation, just the way the game is now, you have to attack that. You have to just yeah, force right. them to either allow you to go past them or or stick their foot out or or you know. Test I, that situation. I think he, uh, Kie, not having Kieska and Kulisevsky really hurt Juve. Those players that that do run at center backs, that do run at wingers, right? That puts you on the back foot a little bit. And I think they, they missed a little bit of that, especially when Dybala went out. Yeah, no, very, very good points. I do want to go back to Inter Milan. Very, uh, just wrap it up with that because it, I think it. It, is, it is commendable that, you know, they do have financial issues, et cetera. That's why Antonio Conte partly left. And, you know, they got rid of not got rid of, but they had to say goodbye to uh, Romelu Lukaku and some other players and stuff. And they had to kind of retransform retransform themselves mm -hmm. once again under Simone Inzaghi. So it's pretty commendable that they're top of Serie A right now. Obviously, plenty of matches still to go, but the fact that they're still in it. You know who also is still in it? Atalanta. Despite, you know, their yeah. uh, exit I get in the Champions League, they're flying domestically. Six wins from six, beating Verona 2-1 as well. Fiorentina. For nothing against Alernitana, Dusan Vlahovic. We need to, I mean, guys, <laughs> the Capo Canonieri uh, race in Serie A is kind of crazy right now. Dusan Vlahovic, 32 league goals in 2021. Then it's Shiri Mobile, um, I think, in, in, in Serie A, goal scoring charts as well with 13. And then uh, Giovanni Simeone, I think Natalie said it earlier, he's kind of doing the opposite of what. His dad usually likes to do, which is like retain, hold. <laughs> you know, it's just like, give me the ball. I'm just going to score from whatever because, you know, uh, lucky lady luck is with me the whole time. I mean, he's a great striker, but he's always in the right places. Lautaro Martinez, 10. Duan Zapata. Good to see Zapata there as well. This is a crazy race right here, Heath Pierce. And then Jimmy chime in on the top scoring charge. Duzan Vlaovic. Fabrizio Romano did say it from day one. Watch out for this kid. And this kid is special. Yeah, I, I love when you see young players or players not at the biggest clubs or not uh, the biggest names yet leading golden boot races in any of the leagues. But, you know, for me particularly, I look at Lautaro Martinez knowing that he, he he's in form right now. He's at 10 goals. I think he finished the season last year around 17 goals in the league or in Serie A at least. And and I, I think about the fact that, like you said, they lose Romelu Lukaku. That is a huge hole, whether it was financial or otherwise. This is the guy that you relied upon to get you that title. And now to see another player being willing to step up, Lautaro Martinez, you know, he's on pace. I guess we're almost at the halfway point uh, for 20 goals on the season. Another mm -hmm. in increase in that and certainly a w one that you need. And you need players in form. Jimmy talks about what's your best 11. And I don't know if that's changed. And I would love for you guys to take on this maybe today, maybe another time of the substitutions changing the, the way the game is that you don't know your best 11 now when you're talking about five substitutions in a game. You're talking about changing the dynamic, how they sub in blocks and things like that. Everything just seems to be shifting uh, in terms of the game, but again, to go back to my main point, so I would love your take on that sometime. So don't forget, guys, um, and anybody that anybody that's watching this, I would love there write that down. Anybody that's watching this, uh, I want your take on that as well. But but yeah, it just uh, again, when I look at when I look at that that list of of, of players, um, I, I love seeing younger players or less known players at smaller clubs really doing this because you know you're starting to see who's going to get the big transfer fee that haven't been getting the attention that 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 perhaps they deserve. Yeah, I want to give a shout-out to uh, Renato Jose from Brazil. Vamos, poja, mi amigo. Hope you're doing well. I mixed a couple languages there, but I hope you're doing okay. Well, Thank you for the support, me. as always. Well now, with regard to Vlahovic, I'm very curious to see if he makes a move in the January transfer window. I'm hearing rumors of Man City, at least from the Premier League perspective, Arsenal, and and even Tottenham being in there. Um, so I'm very 70 curious. million is a bargain. Man. It is, it is a bargain. He, he's been fantastic. I mean, 15 goals so far this season. And yes, he takes penalties, but so do a lot of the top goal scorers around yeah, exactly. the world. Uh, I, with regard to his point really quick, I just want to give a shout out to Joao Pedro, who mm -hmm. has got nine goals for Cagliari, who, who didn't score today against Inter, but it's been hard to score against Inter lately. And then Beto from, from uh, Udinese, he's been fantastic. And actually, he's been partnering with all you Premier League fans out there. Gerard De La Feu, who, uh, what, Everton famous? He's been excellent this season as well. He's got uh, five goals and three assists in Serie A. So uh, a fun partnership there at Udinese. But but it is fun to see those younger players, lesser-known players, get on you know the top scoring charts and see if they, maybe they, they can you know realize a dream and make a bigger move to a bigger club. But Vlahovic is going to be an interesting signing. And I wonder, because Lacazette scored for Arsenal, if he's like, oh, man, I'm hearing that Vlahovic might be coming to the Gunners. 
I might want to pick up my game because he scored a pretty good goal this past weekend. But I know we'll get into the Premier League here pretty soon. Well, but I'm excited let's... about Vlahovic's future. I believe Dusan Vlahovic turned down Arsenal. He was like, nah, I'm good. Yeah. I'll, I'll stay I'll stay around there and, and, and try my luck. Hey, by the way, Gianluca Lapaula has 10 goals in Serie A. Just, I just want to say, in <laughs> what a great investment for Rocco Camiso, the American owner, yes, uh, to be able to now have, have this uh, in his back pocket, uh, knowing that he's yeah. going to get this big old transfer fee. Who's, you know, if anybody watches it, the owners are very uh, prevalent or presidents are very prevalent in Serie A. Very other few leagues are like that, where they're front and center, they speak to the press, they're much more involved they do press game conferences they talk tactics and things like that it's a very bizarre bizarre uh thing but for him i mean what a great investment to know that you're gonna have a young player like that sold on for a lot of money soon 100 we got a question about what's his ceiling i, I mean uh, chime in guys but this guy could be you know I, I do believe he could go into being the top five top three strikers for a long period of time he's that good i mean i've been watching him a little bit ever since fabrizio chimed in about him and he's he's very special He's a special player. And ironically enough, or maybe not so, he does Gabriel Batistuta things as well to me sometimes. And it's funny that he plays for Fiorentina as well. By the way, there's crisis in Serie A as well. Napoli lose to Empoli, down to fourth. I mean, there we were talking about Napoli, their chance to like do something special. But now four points from the last five matches. You talked about Juve, Jimmy, earlier on. You know, they dropped points to Venezia. Lazio slumped to defeat versus 10-man Sassuolo. And of course, uh, you know, we already talked about Slatan needing a last gas point against Udinese to close out a rough week for Milan. Who would you say, Jimmy, is a team that, my goodness, you're going to keep going down and down and down or perhaps, you know, the dreams of getting either top four or even uh, winning the whole thing is, is over? I'd say Lazio stands out in some capacity because their defending isn't great. And even though they might be doing sorry ball on the attacking side, I don't know if they're looking so consistently good on the defensive side. I'm not surprised by Napoli just to transition into them because they have so many injuries to key players, especially in the spine of their team. That Chucky Lozano, by the way. Good. Yeah. I mean, geez. yeah, and, and I know, I know. It's just one injury after another for Napoli and for Chucky Lozano in particular. But I'd also add that it's just they weren't going to play that well the whole season, right? They were just going to have a natural, just like every season. There's always a tough time for every team in every season. And Napoli was going to have that. Now they're probably having that coupled with the fact that they're, they're missing so many key players. And it's a bit of a shame because you know that they've got a really special team. And if everybody had stayed healthy, I think they would have been easy, easy title contenders in Italy. Then then Roma, I think, is already falling apart. That's no big surprise. Uh, Juve, you know, they're still trying to re kind of regain the identity that they used to have under Maxi Allegri. Atalanta, I really like. I think it's between both Milan, Milan teams. If Napoli can get healthy, in Atalanta, but uh, I think Juve, Roma, Lazio aren't title contenders this year. Yeah, the, the only thing uh, that that I would say differently than that is, it, for me, the focus is AC Milan, just knowing that, again, they're kind of set up per perfectly right now to go for a title race, and they're mm -hmm. the ones that I'm worried about the most. Napoli have their excuse of injuries, right? Atalanta are going to go, like, sort of punch for punch and just try to outscore everyone to the end, which I think could work and actually could could be finishing in the top two uh, at the end of this year. Uh, but when I'm looking at Inter Milan and I'm looking at AC Milan, I'm like, man, that's the team that seemed like when I was watching them earlier on in the year or even just a few weeks ago, they had an understanding of how to grind games out and how to get those results that you need. And then all of a sudden overnight, it's like result after result that they seem to fall short. And I started to question like, am I looking through this at the wrong lens of just assuming they've learned from last season? Because uh, they've got all the pieces. They've got enough depth considering the competitions that they're in that you would think that First, they would start with that result against Udinese, and then they'd go on for the rest of the season, the second half of this year, knowing that uh, knowing that they're in a, a, a key contention. And also, when I thinking about their 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 schedule coming up, Napoli have to play Milan in their next game. They have Spezia, and then they have Juventus to kick off the new year. And then on the uh, Milan side, Napoli, Empoli, and Roma, uh, AC Milan. I'm speaking about. It's not an easy run over the next few games, and that's where you could start to see perhaps Inter Milan finding themselves a little bit of a gap. Uh, in the table, which is going to be hard to come back from, con considering they can again taste this feeling from last year and know that there is there is you know kind of blood in the water, so to speak, and and a chance for them to to really give themselves a gap. Yeah, some sexy matches coming up and some very important narratives to end the year in Serie A, which you can exclusively watch on Paramount Plus and CBS Sports. We're going to take a break, but if you're watching live, we're coming right back uh, on podcast. It's a little bit longer of a break. But when we come back, the Premier League 
Does VAR need VAR? We ask. <laughs> MLS Cup final, final thoughts, and much, much more. Kego Lasso Weekend Recap. Jimmy Conrad, Heath Pierce. We'll be right back. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. We are back. We told you so. Let's continue with the rest of the weekend action. We're going to get to MLS Cup later on as we wrap up. We promise. But let's go to the Premier League uh, as uh, obviously, you know, I mean, in terms of results, etc. you know, you all know what happened. Uh, if not, we'll let you know in a second. But there were many penalties awarded specifically for those contenders. And a lot of them, and some would venture say all of them, <laughs> Needed some uh, second guessing, some judgment calls there because uh, Liverpool, Chelsea, times two, by the way, Man City, Manchester United as well, all received penalties that really, in, in some occasions, deserved a second look. In some other occasions, the ref didn't even need advice or whatever. So there was a lot of situations this weekend, Heath Piers, where I was very disappointed with the air. Now, I, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm a supporter of making sure technology helps the game. It's just that now I'm beginning to see how it's not even being utilized the right way. And penalties were a massive protagonist this weekend. What say you? Yeah, I think the issue, again, is that once you go to review, if if you were to have a, a, a booth review an entire game, just review the game, you would find penalties everywhere. Mm. If you were to go, if you were to call, if you were to call a penalty on it and then review it in slow motion and watch it from all the angles, it's really hard to overturn things that in real time. There's a different level of objectivity. If you turn it into a review where you slow it down, I mean, Jimmy, Jimmy would have given up thousands of penalties. If somebody just followed Jimmy, agree to disagree. All, all, if you just followed Jimmy for his entire career, defending in the box and all the little things you need to do, nudge, bump, pull, like get guys off balance. If somebody were to just zone in on that and say, we're going to just follow this and review it. There are penalties there constantly. And that's the hard thing is when a ref isn't a ref has the confidence to go to the penalty. If you go to the booth, even if it's controversial, it's hard to overturn them because, it, you know, body positioning, you know, the, you're taking out the speed of the game, the context of the game, and you're just looking at a single thing that it's really hard to, to, to overturn it. And I think that's a big problem because now you can just call it and then to overturn is hard. Now, I think I, I, I prefer to allow, now that we've got it, referees to just let it fly. And if somebody says, hey, you should take a second look at this, that's different. Uh, I think you should go back and watch this. That's different. But if a ref calls it and you're forced to go into this very slow motion, every single angle, it's going to continue to be a problem where you'll find what you want to find or it's hard to overturn or argue the fact when you break it all down. So at least that, that's my take on it. So I don't know how you improve that uh, other than allowing more flow of the game and allowing VAR to have more power on their end than the ref making the call and then being able to have this four-person team back them up every time because in most cases they will. Okay, I have one idea to that. But but before I get there, I just want to state for the record that that second penalty that Chelsea got where Rudiger kind of just gets his foot. That is so bad. It's so yeah. bad. Rudiger got two penalties, by the way. It's like, so bad. That The second one in particular is so bad. And it only, in some ways, embarrassing for the game that they're that like that's what we're calling that 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 needs to change. And, and where I think the idea now can come in, because that was the one I actually had the biggest issue with was was can you get a former player? involved in the VAR booth. Can you get somebody in there that that has maybe a little bit more of that experience in certain moments, whether you agree with that person or not, but just so they're in the room and be like, well, 
Think what about position, it. Jimmy? What position of a player do you think should be in well, that center group? back? Of course, yeah, because you can't put a striker. You can't, put, you can't put a striker in there. That's for sure. It should be <laughs> midfielders or defenders because the striker should be like yeah, center, center mid. Yeah, I was okay, going to say you, center you, mid. You, you can vet. You can vet whoever you wanted to get in there. But but I think there's enough former players out there that I think you'd get enough vol- volunteers. You could pay them for their time, of course. But just to have that that voice to say, Hey, maybe think about it like this. I don't think he has to be the one that's in the ear of the referee, but, but I think you're in that room together saying, Hey, if we're going to take a minute and actually look at this, here's what a former player's perspective would be. And I just think that would give it a little bit more of a 360 view of, of what's actually happening. And, and somebody to go in there and be like, boys, listen, or, or, or girl, whoever's in there, this is bullshit. That is just that is a bad call and it shouldn't. It's gonna it's gonna change the 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 game in a way that it shouldn't. I don't think anybody would be upset if it didn't get called. You know, I mean, just some some kind of perspective that's a little bit different from from like a traditional referee. Yeah, no, you, it's a good idea. You know what? I, I'll raise you another idea uh, because I'm specifically thinking about the Liverpool Villa game where there were two situations, and I'm not even gonna be here to like be one should be one, one shouldn't be. But both cases, uh, the referee was not you know, asked to just have another look. And I think there should be a situation when, you know, because here's what's happened. There's inconsistency when the ref is being asked or not asked to just just give that a double check because mm-hmm. it's very difficult to assess it in lifetime, especially since now we have the AR assistance to make sure that you can have a better decision making. Here's one I have for you. How about we do this? Something that I do enjoy about the NFL is that, you know, is the, t- is the challenge system. I'm wondering, and only in penalty situations, Literally, just penalty situations, not even free kicks, nothing. Penalty situations. The manager of each team has a challenge available per game. So, for example, if we do Liverpool-Aston Villa, right, uh, at the very end, Danny Ings has the ball. Allison, who was very vulnerable in that game, you know, is spreading his arms. And it does seem that he got Danny Ings and not the ball as he fell inside the box. Many situations in the past, that, get, that, penalty, that would have been given as a penalty. The ref didn't get any advice from anybody say, I think you need to look at that. If there was a challenge system, Steven Jarrett in that moment could be like, I want to use my challenge. Can you please have a second look? Right. The ref has a second look and maybe the decision gets overturned. Maybe it doesn't. But at the very least, the, um, the manager now has a little bit of power. Only just once, by the way. It's not like he has three. It's not like he has five challenges. Just once. One time. He loses that challenge. That's it. If right. he gets correct, maybe he keeps that challenge back. I'm just saying that maybe we can be a little bit creative because more often than not, not only are people complaining whether it's a pen or not, but the ref is now not being talked about and being recommended to have a second look. And that worries me. That worries me a little bit. I don't know right. if you guys want to chime in as we move on, but that, to me, that's a that's something that maybe could be done. I mean, you know, I think that part of the problem is that the manager sometimes feels helpless because even though we have this technology, it's not being used. And that's how Steven Gerrard felt this weekend, I think. I would just uh, jump in and say really quick, I'll just, from a purist perspective, it'll just slow down the flow of the game. It'll, they're they're trying to, and I understand there's some more technology that's coming in that's going to make everything faster, especially on offside calls, where you're going to get that information in a millisecond as opposed to having to wait 30, even 30 seconds. They're trying to figure out ways to cut it down from a 30 seconds or a minute to get it down to five to 10 seconds so that we can move the game along and keep that, that normal pace. I like it in theory. I just wonder how much pushback you would get because I mean, it's very quick. The manager goes to the fourth official. I listen, I I, I think the ref hasn't given it. He's not, he's not being told to have a second look. I want to use my challenge. No, no, I get it. I, I I think it would be kind of cool. I want to see these little NFL red uh, flags come into the middle. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He doesn't get to go to the fourth official. He's got to toss something, dude. You got it. It's because then you can get it. Then, then then a sponsor can buy whatever the, whatever the review is. Let's say we have a challenge. Let's say they do have a challenge. What ref, what manager would, would throw the shit out of that, uh, Throw it at the referee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, who would who would do it? Like oh, Mourinho, be, Mourinho for sure Mourinho jumps out of me. Throw, yeah, Antonio uh, Conte says he dropped it, drop it by his foot and it. then make somebody come and get it, <laughs> get it next to him. You know. Yes, That's Conte funny. would throw something else other than the yeah. red flag. I think. He, yeah, he yeah. By the way, Natalie, you had a good idea. NBA. Uh, if you get if the one that gets fouled takes the penalty. Uh, usually a Man United's case because he's always in the boxes, Ronaldo. But that would be kind oh, of... Oh, imagine Rudiger taking penalties today. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I, I love that idea from Natalie. I'm, yeah. I'm a fan of that. I actually think it would be pretty cool to have that step up. Yeah, uh, you'd have anyway. To, if, you earn, if you earn it, you got to take it. I like it. I like it too. Well, All right, but let's the, ones, the, the ones yeah. that are like the discrepancy, like there's a handball. 
then I think you can have your designated penalty person take it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Then it can but be a Ronaldo. Person, but if, but only if you draw the penalty, foul. then you yeah. should take it. Yeah. 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 I love it. I love it. All right. Well, let's stay in the Premier League because I am worried, Jimmy, about Newcastle. <laughs> <laughs> when are we not worried about Newcastle? I'm not Listen, worried. <laughs> no, you, you, you already know the you already know the writing. On the I'm wall. in I'm in the face of acceptance right now. Uh, they really? just recently won. They just recently won. What do you mean? I mean now they're one. They're one in. They're one. They're one win, one loss in their last two games. What you know did what I mean? tell you, by the way, in the weekend preview? I said that you know even though they won against Burnley, they they really looked super vulnerable. And look what Leicester City just did. Jimmy, are they going to be the most uh, the richest club in the championship? Is January the make or break situation for them? What do they have to do to avoid the drop? We, I think we have everybody right where we want them. Uh, <laughs> I couldn't so, wait till you finished saying that to last. <laughs> I was going to let you carry that bit for a while, but sure, sure, sure. sure. <laughs> so, so, so we got Liverpool, you know, coming up. And we, got, we got City, yeah. United, Everton away, Southampton away. It's fine. It's fine. It, everything's everything's fine. I, it's like that one meme. Everything's yeah, fine. This is the dog in the firehouse. It's, that it's that's Newcastle. Yeah. I, I when I watch the game. like basically through this, like I'm barely looking through my eyes, through my hands to like watch this game. We're just terrible defensively. It's so bad defensively. Like one half chance turns into like a full chance and that has to stop. I I actually feel like when I think about Newcastle overall, they need to start from the back and work their way up to the front because we have players that have sauce up top. They can win games uh, or get opportunities. Cal Wilson's this good serviceable Premier League player. Alonso Maximin obviously got a ton of talent. Miguel Miron, when he's free and actually can pick up a ball and run it at players, which is hard for him. Um, then because there's just like he doesn't get the ball in the right spots. I don't just don't think we have players that help the team transition. There's a lot. There's a lot to unpack here. It's going to be a struggle. And if we go down, then then we go down, and then we have to figure out how to pick up the pieces from that. But uh, sometimes you got to take a step or two back to to take a couple big steps forward, and and that might be the play this is somebody that's like trying to find the silver lining in this yeah, whole but situation do you, it just do, sucks do either of you think that because I, I i was thinking about this today and, and i was like would it be easier to go into the, and i the, the championship is notoriously difficult but if you look at the teams like rb leipzig and juventus when they had to go down and rangers when they had to go up if you stack the deck you can actually create a team that's far better than anybody in the championship Mm-hmm. you know and 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 actually have a realistic shot of just winning the championship again now it is a completely different style of play you're playing teams that are going to play you differently different pitches different environments i get that but do you think that that's easier to do than than getting two three players and and surviving in in the season or or is a better build build than having a few band-aids this year and now you're stuck with those band-aids or do you think they have a plan in place to go and like sign a few big signings that are going to change the world for them because it is not just one or two players that are going to change the whole dynamic of the- now there could be one or two veteran players or players that shore up your back line make you harder to beat you know and and then allow like you said the team to be a little bit more predictable on offense or when they're attacking but i mean I, that was a, I, and i'm and i'm stuck between what because of the Playing 46 or whatever games, 48 games, is a long season, no matter who you're putting on the field. I mean, essentially, essentially what you're asking, Heath, and we ask everybody watching, is Newcastle going to avoid the drop? If the answer is no, can they come right back up with all that money, with all that infrastructure? And the third question for you all, Jimmy, back to you. Eddie Howe, what do you make of that? I like him as a hire. I think he's a guy that knows how to get a lot out of a little. He did it with Bournemouth for mer- for many years with a small budget. Now he's got a bigger budget. Whether they trust him with it is something entirely entirely different. We've had this discussion before. We can get into it a little bit again. I don't know who the first domino is going to be in terms of signings. I don't know who that first big signing is going to be. And who wants to come to a but, club? Like, but because- isn't it weird that we're in the middle of December and that hasn't kicked off? That, that rumor mill hasn't kicked off? I think part yeah. of it is that for the for the British based players, I don't think they want to live in Newcastle. I think they want to live in Manchester or Liverpool or they want to live in London. You know, they don't want to go out. I don't the think North they want to live in Liverpool. To be okay, maybe. May, okay, I get I get what you're saying, <laughs> but I'm just saying that that you know I I, I don't think it's a desirable location. If this was a struggling team in London, I think you'd get a lot more players that were a little bit more. I think intrigued. it's more about I think it's more about players who are perhaps in other teams who are thinking of Europe next year or even playing in Europe right now. No, that's now. fair. That's fair. Uh, but the city means a lot, right? With the competitions that you're playing in. You we're, we're looking at Bernardo Silva wants to leave because he's like you, I don't love it here, you know, Newcastle's but we are a good beautiful team. city. I'm just going I'm going to stand up for Newcastle. They're a beautiful I, city. I, it's it's more about whether a, an international player can go there and 
understand the Jordy accent. That's that's yes. only well that that's <laughs> I'm not I wasn't trying to take a shot at Newcastle. No, no, I know, I know. I know what you're saying. Staying in yeah, London, yeah, yeah. Yeah. but I'm just saying that uh, every that, that's city's a beautiful city uh, in Europe. It's historic. It's nice. <laughs> it's whatever. But it's that's not the same thing socially of what what attracts people to some of the bigger markets, right? Uh, you know, Thank weather you is not going to weather is uh, all relative, but like you know, in terms of if you're playing Champions League football, if you're playing at a top, uh, you know, in a, in a top team, the city becomes secondary to that. But if you can have it all, if you're a big player and somebody's saying, "Hey, you can go to, you know, somewhere in London or somewhere like Newcastle and be part of a project," it's going to require a pretty big check to write for them personally to to, to yeah. weigh those two options. Listen, it's not all doom and gloom as to you know, mathematically speaking, right? A win, and then no, obviously course, Watford and Southampton, who are still obviously just. You know, hovering over there. You know, it, it yeah, only well, takes. Honestly, you minutes. win three straight games, and everybody's like, "All right, cool, we're gonna make it." So I'm not. Yeah, I mean, look at the table right here. Is that's, that's been... a big ass three straight yeah, games. I just can't but, believe but, you said three straight games. Okay, fine, <laughs> two straight games. But what I, what I'll what I'll add is that I love that you use the word infrastructure because if we're talking about a, a proper project and you're gonna invest that type of money that they have then you have to start with the youth academy. You have to start with your scouts. You have to get into like every single area to make this as professional uh, of, of an experience and, and of an organization as possible. And I think they need to work on all of it. So if you went down to the championship or if you stay in the Premier League, you still have to address all these other things. Mm. Obviously, it's going to be easier to maybe attract that player, get a more of a head start if you stay in the Premier League for all the things that we've already mentioned. But if we went down to the championship, it would be difficult, but we did it already with Mike Ashley and Rafa Benitez. And it's not like we haven't already proven. Championship. He knows. I, I'm not. I'm not. It would suck, but if Newcastle really, really want to get back up and be a team that's contending, they have to do all these other things right. Yeah, you can't just do one thing right. To, Everything has to be done right at every level for it to really, truly be a success. Sometimes so, so, you got to break the entire kingdom. Well, to yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, uh -huh. Jimmy, how are you feeling about Cambridge United coming into St. James's Park in the FA Cup third round? Nicholas Murray, I know very well how you feel about your Cambridge United. Uh, thank you for the question. FA Cup. Uh, oh, yeah, I'm sure it'll be a breeze after Man City, Liverpool and Manchester United. I think Nicholas is feeling confident, Jimmy Conrad, about Cambridge United. Listen, we, we like cup competitions, our, <laughs> our fans in particular. You know, yeah. we'll, we'll, uh, we'll undo our pants and whip out our thingy, you know, when Alain San Maximin scores a goal. We'll punch horses, okay? That's what we do. That's how excited we get as Newcastle fans. So, uh, I'll tell you yeah. one thing, though. Here's one thing, by the way. If they are able to get anything out of anything a point out of liverpool man city or manchester united that could revitalize some kind of fire i think do you see them heath winning any of those games no. or getting or getting, no, a, point? Mean, getting I, a point I, I, a point maybe but i i think again you you look past those as jimmy mentioned we laughed about three in a row but there's somewhere in january february and i i don't have the schedule directly in front of me where they're going to see this window of like if we can get a run of form or you get a point, it builds a little confidence, but it's against those other teams that you know that you've got a shot of getting three points. Perhaps yeah, you have a homestand and, and, and if you can get nine out of 12 or, you know, you know, 12, <laughs> nine out of uh, whatever, 15 in, in, that in, actually in, comes in, to a, them, in a month. He, that actually comes to them at the very beginning of January. They, they travel to Southampton doable cup match, right? At home to Watford away at Leeds at home to Everton. I mean, those are games that you can get points. But after that, it gets very tricky. Villa, West Ham. You don't I want mean, to throw Villa in there? It's easy points, man. That's up. Throwing <laughs> Villa there. All right, fine. I'll put him in there. Fine. Just kidding. Just, just, kidding. just too easy or eager. <laughs> no, there's no ego attached to Newcastle. Uh, that's very true. Hey, Jimmy, listen. The thing is, I got a very soft spot for Newcastle United. It's Nolberto Solano's birthday today. But that's well, right. Birthday. Happy birthday. That's, yeah, absolutely. All right. Let's, uh, let's wrap up the Premier League, by the way to no that's it that's it yeah let's move on let's talk about mls cup baby new champions my local team nycfc well done ian paul joy nice cooligans ronnie Dayla stripped away he he he, he lifts up to his bet dati castellanos who i really don't think is going to be in the league much longer he's quite a talent but my goodness nycfc break hearts in providence park and they beat but guess what it was dramatic because always it has to be dramatic it was a pretty poor game i think and then MLS got MLS-ish with uh, Gio Savares' Portland Timbers equalizing literally in the final seconds to take it to extra time. And that's when you thought, my God, the momentum has shifted. And it did in many ways. And Sean Johnson, Jimmy Conrad, rightly so, uh, you know, saluting his friend as well. 
so good in goal. And Alex Callens, the Peruvian, ends it all up. Heath Pierce, a sad end to Diego Valeri's Timbers career, but NYCFC for the first time in their history, MLS Cup champions. Yeah, I again, in the preview uh, of that game, I, I had Timbers all the way home, that crowd, but, you know, clearly... We talked about Castellanos coming back into this match, the the role that he would play. And then when they got that goal at the end, I was like, oh, it's written in the stars. It's exactly how you want it. The crowd was crazy. It brought them back to life. This belief of like, it's actually going to happen. Uh, but, it, you know, anytime you, things are left to penalties. And look, by the way, Sean Johnson, somebody that I've talked about as being replaceable as the number three in the national team, just because of the fact that he's number three and he's not young. But when you put on performances like that, you go, oh, that's why you have a number three. Uh, because they're that good. And if you get called upon at the national team level or the international level, you want to be able to believe that that person coming in is not a project. They are ready to step up and lead the national team. And Sean Johnson's been in the national team pool for a long time. So it wasn't yeah. about that as much as I've been critical of like, how do you use that number three position? But clearly he's a fantastic player and actually now starts to give you the argument of like, could he be a number two? Is he is he being uh, left out of that conversation? I know it's a conversation for another time. We'll get to that tomorrow uh, on USMNT hour. But but with regard to to this MLS Cup, it's it's a it's a fantastic thing to see that team be able to pull it off in the way that they did. Portland is a notoriously difficult place to play. The conditions were not favorable. Uh, even the the MLS Cup trophy when they rolled it out onto the field didn't want to stay up in those conditions. And that was and so MLS issues. Well. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that, I mean, overall, it's it's it was an it was an it was a dis early December or mid December MLS Cup in terms of the weather that you expect in the Northwest and the intensity of it and the fan and the atmosphere. Um, it's just unfortunate for Diego Valeri that. That, that this is the end of his career. But you can't have it all. I would love to have gone out on top too, but that's just the, the realities of, uh, of of a playing career. You're always I, on top, Heath. <laughs> I got into a bit of a disagreement with the, one of my friends who said that MLS Cup was boring. It was difficult to watch. And I said, dude, listen, that's just the final. I was at the 2014 World Cup final at the Maracanã versus Ar Argentina versus Germany. World-class players on both teams. So that boring. was awful it was awful i'm like this is the world cup final and then i was at the champions league final between liverpool and tottenham oh that was terrible <laughs> it was terrible i'm that like no final and they're sucks, like oh, mls they're like mls sucks and blah, blah. i'm like dude it's not mls it's just a final the finals yeah. just suck yeah there's, there's so, so much mistake, tension yeah. there's so much pressure there's so much of everything everybody doesn't want to make a mistake they don't want to be the one person that's going to be held responsible for, for breaking the hearts, not just of their team, but of all the fans, a whole city. All of a sudden, you have a city that's finally paying attention to you, especially in the sport in this country. Everything's riding on it, and you can feel it. And it takes a, a really uh, experienced person, I'd say, to be able to yeah. handle that and be able to go on and, and play at the level that they're usually accustomed to without feeling that. And yeah, that's why series the top guys are good. It. Final series in sports are when people go, oh, that was a great series. But when you get one game right. in any sport, whether it's football, soccer, whatever, you go... Yeah, that's two teams that are just feeling each other out for a while. And a by the way, we up. ended up getting drama. I mean, that we did, we did, we did. I'm glad that goal got scored at the end for sure. Uh, you know, Jimmy. The, by, by the way, Luis, that's a great point because somebody else had told me that some of their friends that were sort of on the peripheral of being fans of the game, that were fans of sports, that were like that was an like the drama of that build up, seeing that happen, like that made it all worthwhile to me. And I was like, yeah. That's it's exactly also right. Of it. But like, if you judge it based on the quality, then judge it on the quality of every final ever of right. any sport that has a single single game. They're not that good. The build up and the drama and all that stuff is completely different. But you know, as a full as as a full match of any kind, it's like Jimmy said. It's it's uh, finals suck. Yeah, they, they do, do. They do. They suck more often than not. So so I wasn't surprised, and I tried to tweet out there that game finals are choppy. There's not a lot of rhythm. Uh, e even if you have a top player like Maxi Morales in number ten. Who's who's cute as a button, by the way. That's my 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 catchphrase for for small playmakers. But if you see a player like that, you go and you chop him down as fast as you possibly can. You don't want that guy to get going and feel good about himself in a final. Like that's just how games are are played at, at, in those particular things. So I just I don't I wasn't trying to necessarily win an argument. I was just trying to like Kate understand the like what it means to be in a final first. Yeah, context, and they backed off. They backed off. But yeah. but uh, yeah, fair play to NYCFC. I think on the balance, they were the better team through the 120 minutes that we saw. I thought they had more guys trying to step up and do something. They were trying to be more assertive in the game. And I think they deserve to win. Now, to the question we had before, should there be an asterisk, asterisk next to this win because NYCFC were the beneficiaries of taking on the Philadelphia Union team that were missing six or seven starters that probably mm. would have changed the outcome of that game. 
it's hard not to want to put that next to it, but those are the, the sign of the times, as I think Heath Pierce said the last time around. And, and it's not fair, especially to Philly. But but uh, what but are you going to do? NY, it's not NYCFC's fault. It's not their fault. It's not their fault. Right? So it's their journey that they all followed. But it's a, it's a valid point, but it's not NYCFC. Their only objective was win MLS Cup. And you know what? Before that, they beat New England. So like, who's to say what? At, at Gillette Stadium. So it's not like it was an easy route or a journey. They did a tremendous job. So well done. I'm very happy as well for Tyvon Gray, by the way, the first Bronx native to sign uh, for the club as well. It's good to see you know, a local talent do his thing. So that's it. NYCFC win MLS Cup. Well done indeed. Uh, all right, let's do some final thoughts before we say goodbye. I want to remind you, because I don't want to forget, but we're doing um, a live watch, a watch along of the Champions League draw. It's a little early for my boys here, Jimmy and <laughs> Heath, but uh, and they'll, be, they'll be on USMNT uh, our duty as well later that day. But James Benj will join us. And we got a bunch of guests, by the way, uh, for the watch along. It's going to be super fun. I might even be in my pajamas watching. It's going to be 5.50 a.m. All right, for me. So, like, we're going to be doing it. Uh, I did mention it, Des. I mentioned Alex Callens early on. What? <laughs> oh, you want me to ma- how, how mention? Many- mention. Listen, we probably don't have any more Chilean followers because I keep talking about Peru. <laughs> Alex Callens, what a year for you. Yes, dale, compare mi causa. Excellent. All right. So, final thoughts, everybody. Le Classique, PSG Monaco, you want to go there? Brest glorious run, by the way, ends with a 4-0 loss to Montpellier. Bayern pull further away as Dortmund draw. Chris Richards opens his Bundesliga account with a winning goal. And Leipzig's post-March week uh, beats Man City and Gladbach. So a lot to discuss. Heath Pierce, final thoughts from you. Anything? Yeah, the post-March thing is just a realization to me. And it could be just a new manager bounce, uh, so to speak. But you could also just feel the confidence of players coming back that perhaps he wasn't the right manager. It doesn't make him a bad manager, but, you know, perhaps he wasn't the right manager. And then my part two to that was that uh, Alexis Sanchez, for the Chilean fans out there, almost scored. Uh, and it was good this weekend. So uh, oh, that, that's, a little, uh, that's, that's chilly a... for you, the almost team. All right, let's keep going. <laughs> it was not true. They've won a lot, actually. <laughs> Jimmy Conrad. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, shout out to Kylian Mbappe for Kylian yeah. Mbappe, two goals against Monaco. Uh, good performance from him. He's got nine goals and eight assists in 17 games in Liga. Mm. That's pretty good. And uh, I, there's a weird one, though. League two, Oldham versus Forest Green in League two in England. Four screen top of the table in League Two. Oldham in the relegation zone. Oldham is down 4-1, and they come back and draw 5-5. It's just oh, unbelievable ooh. scene. Unbelievable scenes. <laughs> it, it was an, uh, yeah, yeah. It was an incredible game. It is, I don't know any League Two fans out there, but uh, I just thought it was a result worth talking about. I, I, had, I, had, one, I had one more thing, if yeah. you guys don't mind. Okay. Sorry, I'm, not, I'm not speaking into the microphone, but uh, Chris Richards. Uh, scoring that goal. And I just want to point out that him scoring that goal is fantastic. It's a historic moment for him. It was in stoppage time. It was an incredible, incredible thing. But bigger than that, he, to me, is sort of a model that I really like as somebody who went to Bayern Munich and did not get stuck in the vortex of a big club and has decided to go out on loan, did well, said, I want to go on loan again and forced his hand when I'm looking at, when I'm looking at the number of young players that we're going to continue to see be attracted uh, one by the big clubs, two by clubs' ability to pay the transfer fee needed for an American player. Now, that is a that is a player taking it on himself to know that he needs to get matches. Yep. And now he's in contention to be a starter for the national team for a World Cup, and he's developing as a player, getting crucial matches, playing for a big team. Who also, by the way, that was a win against Freiburg, who had been crushing everybody this year. So a huge result. But overall, I just wanted to point that out as a player who who is taking it on himself, whether it's with his management team, his family, or whatever. To not just enjoy the life of being at a big club and fade into the to the distance like many players do, but to make sure that he is blending that with with the realities of needing to develop as a player. Yeah, sorry, I get yeah. off my uh, my my uh, pedestal now. No, I p- please. I, you have a whole hour tomorrow as well for you guys to discuss <laughs> that as well. By the way, as the USMNT continue to prepare for uh, January as well as they look ahead. By the way, that was it. Thank you so much. Don't forget, everybody, as I mentioned, Champions League drug. Watch along, so make sure you follow us on Kego Lasso Pod for all the details, but we're starting that early 5.50 a.m. Eastern, and we'll be going throughout the whole thing, having some guests, talking about the draw, etc., and then after that, we'll do a nice little recap. And then the boys, Jimmy and Heath, later on that day, we'll do a USMNT Hour, which is live, which is on YouTube, which is always awesome, always growing. Jimmy Conrad, thank you so much, brother. Thank you, everybody. Appreciate you. Heath Pierce, I appreciate you.
Uh, yeah, I, you didn't. You never mentioned my my hat, Luis. It matches your shirt. It's the it's the uh, this is uh, the Emirati oil uh, logo. Uh, <laughs> I lo- it's yeah. got the same color as the Bud Light beer. So I was yeah. just like wondering. <laughs> it is a cool color, though. It is a cool color, right? Yeah. So I yeah, like it. yeah. I dig it. I dig it. But well done, everybody. Thank you so much for being part of the family. Don't forget. To follow us everywhere, Jimmy Connor on Twitter, Heath Pierce on Twitter, Kegolasso Pod, LMHRI. Thank you so much. Have a great beginning to your week. We'll see you next time. On May 23rd, I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? <laughs> Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount+.